Hey everybody, thanks for joining us on this episode of Two Dads Named Grant. I'm Grant Overman. I'm Grant Vickery. Yeah, you are Grant Vickery, and it's you we're going to talk about today. Have have been for a while. I say that we're going to talk about you. Really, you are going to talk about you. So if you tuned in last You're week... You're welcome to chime in. You can <laughs> comment if you want. I don't, that might not be a good idea. Um, <laughs> if you listened last week, you heard us, mostly me, talk about marriage and what it's like um, working on that and trying to still have one while you are caring for a child. (laughs) And today we're going to hear from a dad-to-be what it's like getting ready to be a dad. And what I assume is just going to be tale of abject terror after abject terror, waking up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night, that kind of thing, right? Well, my MO has been to be extremely confident when I shouldn't be and to be anxious when I should be. So I'm feeling real confident about this one, and that lets me know (laughs) that it's probably going to be horrible beyond my wildest dreams. That's no, because I've learned from the PSAs on the radio that you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Um, oh, so. well, I, I feel like you do have to be perfect to be a perfect <laughs> anything. So the PSAs on the radio are stupid. Not according to the people that are trying to get you to foster uh, children or adopt them. So, you know, and well, like you, I told uh, Michelle all the time, <laughs> even Jeffrey Dahmer had parents. So we probably can't do worse than they did. Right, but it would be tough. You might you might be able to, but it, yeah. it would be a challenge. I, but that's also assuming we're blaming them for, for all of that. It might not have been their fault. I, don't I am. It's convenient. <laughs> that's good. All right, so let's just kick it off and talk yeah. about what it's been like waiting for the baby to be arri- to arrive. Just a little bit of, you know, kind of set the context for all of us. What's going on with you mentally, emotionally, and all that. Yeah, so this actually is related to my marriage with Jess. And one of the things that we have done that is kind of crazy is we've moved uh, five or six times. I don't know a bunch since we've been married, like in a seven year period, we we've, we're constantly moving. And the most difficult move was the move into our first house, which was a $64,000 rundown. There are no toilets. It's a nightmare. We are finding bullet casings on top of the cabinets, like, HUD home, right? This terrible, yeah. terrible, awful house that we then, we were like, we can fix this in like, what do you think, four months? And it took us two years. <laughs> and and we, <laughs> I was, I was hanging doors. We were like painting and hanging doors for the people that were going to move in who we sold it to literally the night before we moved out. And we slept on blankets on top of faux hardwood the night we go. moved out. It was the most miserable I think I've ever been. It was like pour your heart and soul into something and then sell it. And then, like it, it worked great. Like we did what we wanted to do, but like leaving that house was really hard. And then we lived in an apartment for a while, and then we bought another messed up house. And we're fixing it up now. Um, so you guys are gluttons so, for punishment. <laughs> gluttons for punishment. And the issue now has been like all this stuff where I was like, we, this house is livable. It's not that bad. You know, there's rooms that are completed on like the other house where everything was a mess. So this one's a lot better. But now that the baby's coming, it's like, okay, when this kid is here, you're probably not going to have time for construction work. Right. So what what do you want to get done full stop? Because when May 1st arrives, that's when you stop being able to do work mm-hmm. on the house at all. Um, and you combine that with Jess is currently working uh, one year as a law clerk and then she's going to be working at a big firm after that and then i'm working on uh i'm a full-time teacher and also a part-time teacher at another school and working on a dissertation so 
it's like pick which thing you want to get done and which thing you want to not get done. And do I work mm-hmm. more on the house or on the PhD? You know, like I, I don't know. It's a mess. So I guess the difficult thing for me right now is how do I stack my priorities or rather how do I prioritize? And most of my anxiety, like I have a set of like undealt with anxiety off to the side, which is I'm not sure if I'm going to be a good dad. And then I have another set of anxiety that I'm dealing with, which is how do I get there? And I feel like that's backwards because this should be the point where I'm not stressed to the max, right? I'm not, (laughs) I shouldn't Mm. be worried now about that kind of thing. Like now I should be like sleeping and resting and reading the books and lamazing. I don't know if you can verb Lamaz, but yeah, storing up energy, it, like some sort of yeah, candle, right. I should I, yeah, I should be story. I should be I should be hibernating basically, but instead, I'm I'm already kind of stretched to my limit basically. Right. So then, if that's kind of where you are, feeling like you've got too many things to do and not enough time, it sounds like before a baby comes. So what are you hoping to be? Are you just living in that until it comes or do you have like an in other than just the house stuff? Like you've, you've set the list. Is that the only kind of list you have or do you have goals for what you'd like to be? Like if you could make, if you could know the baby was going to come on the due date and you're like, okay, so right. exactly when, when, when he's actually coming, this is what I would like to be doing the evening where I want to be the headspace maybe or physically in the world or something like that, you know, the night before it comes so that I feel like I'm ready uh, or maybe you don't feel like you can be ready, but I think most people are at least trying to be as ready as they can for right their first child. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that there's there's two things that are true at once, right? On the one hand, I'm aware that I won't be ready, that you can't be ready, that this is a completely new experience. And in the vein of experience-based things, it's something that no one can describe for you, right? Like I, I've talked to a lot of people who are new parents or who have had kids about like, what's it going to be like? Right. And basically what everybody says is whatever you think it isn't that. Mm -hmm. So I'm aware on some level, I'm not going to have it. Like I don't get it. On the other hand, it's like, you should try to be ready anyway. Right. You try to like, know that you're going to fail at this task, but try to do it anyway. And so that's kind of where I am right now is there's stuff I want to do to be ready. Even though I know it's not going to work. I feel like trot the attempt is important. So I have a, I think I think I have a nice metaphor for this that I experienced today, um, oh. which is one of the reasons why we we're recording like four hours after we planned to. Um, <laughs> so uh, I got Home Depot gift cards for Christmas and my birthday because of the aforementioned house renovations. Yeah. That's what people get me. So I went to Home Depot today and I bought uh, two things. One, I got um, I've got the Ryobi one like um, electrical like cordless drill set yeah. with the swappable batteries. They have a tire inflator Ryobi now. So you, that takes those batteries. If you have some like awesome. Okay. Cause if you drive a Mazda, the tires are going, I don't know why the tires just lose pressure like crazy. So <laughs> I got one of those. That was nice. I also got a pressure washer. I knew, I knew it. I knew that's what you were going to say. Okay. Yeah. I also, <laughs> I also got a pressure washer. Well, our driveway goes from the is very long. It goes from the front. Our house sits pretty far off. off from off the front the of your house to the street. That's where your driveway. <laughs> no, no, past that. It, so our house sits really oh, no. far off the street, and the driveway goes up past the house, and then all the way back to the end of the backyard where there's a shed. Okay. Oh, and wow. so it's a, it's a very long driveway, um, which is why I could put all of those offensive words in. You know pressure washer and send them to you so i i started today pressure washing probably at about 11 o'clock maybe maybe noon um somewhere somewhere in there that maybe a little later than that but whatever 
So I start pressure washing and I did it for a couple of hours and I was like, man, I'm really tired of this. I'm going to quit. And then I realized you can't quit. Look at your driveway because before my driveway was, it was all gross, you know? Sure. Dirty like it was and all, dingy. It was all nasty. So you couldn't really tell it was nasty. Yeah. Know? That looks like the color it was supposed to be, right? <laughs> right. It's just, <laughs> it's dark gray and slime. That's, that's what they, that's the color of this cement. So once I started cleaning it, it really revealed how filthy the rest of it was. And so it was like, I can't just stop. I have to finish. And so I kept pressure washing and I kept pressure washing and I kept wanting to like, if it weren't for the shame of you really can't leave it this way, I would have quit several hours earlier than I did. But it's like, you can't quit because it's so abundantly clear. And so that's kind of what's been going on with me personally as well is there was a couple of things I was like, I need to fix this before my son gets here, you know? And mm-hmm. so I, I say, like, okay, I, I did, I fixed that one thing or I started working on this one thing and I started making progress and that's good. And all it really did for me was reveal all the other areas that it's like, you are so broken and you are so messed up. And if I hadn't tried to fix anything, I would have just been your standard unprepared dad. And I'm like, yes, okay, I could have done it. But because I tried to fix one thing, it just became abundantly clear to me, you've got so much to do. And so I mentioned before all the things around the house that need doing, right? Mm-hmm. And there, there is all of that, but there's also like, I should be done with these already, right? If, if, I, if, if all the time I put into, you know, watching Netflix shows or taking naps or playing video games or reading books that weren't for school, which is a dumb thing for me to do, but I do it anyway sometimes, right? If all the time I had done that, I'd been working on the house, I'd be completely finished. And my son would be coming into a, like a, a completed house, which would be nice. And I'm not. And so I'm, I, I am, because I've done one or two things, I've started to see failure everywhere um, because of the contrast. And so that's been, that's the most difficult thing for me personally right now is the difference between the things that I have, like the very marginal success I've had has revealed to me the the depth and ubiquity of my failure, if that makes any sense. <laughs> right. For home renovation anyways. Well, for not just for, not just for home renovation, because it's not just home renovation that I've been working on. I've I also was working on things like, you know what? I need to be like my spiritual life is not where it needs to be. Okay. So I need to start doing things to get it where it needs to be. And so I, I do one thing to get that right. Like one small, like it's a small thing, you know? And then that just reveals all the other ways that my spiritual life is really lacking or my, my, um, my health, right? I do one small thing to address my health and that reveals all the other areas where it's lacking. Okay. Yeah. And so every time I start to work on something in a different category, Instead of I've, instead of feeling like I'm making progress, I really feel like what I'm doing is I'm highlighting or illuminating how far I have to go. Mm. You know, part of me wants to ask, well, why do you feel like you need to do that? But I think anyone who's ever had a child coming thinks hopefully they think there's a little bit of humility there to be like well i'm not per- you realize you're not perfect you're like oh now it matters how i act <laughs> right because like you <laughs> somebody's watching right. or i'm responsible yeah. for you know we don't want another jeffrey dahmer on our hands right because i am not a good parent so you so the why i think is kind of obvious you care for your son and you want to be 
the best version of yourself because that should mean you are then the best father. Uh, so right. I guess that's that's how I feel. Yeah, yeah. I I guess then my question would be instead of just well, why do you feel like you need to change? Then it would be how have you? Is it just everything about yourself? Like talk a little bit more about changing yourself personally. Then it's like well, me completely. I'm unacceptable as a human being and a father. Or is it like well, I know these specific things are going to translate to this specific goal I'm going to have as a father or something like, is, is that how it is for you? Has it been more of a, just kind of like the house, like everything in the house needs to be fixed. We're remodeling the whole thing. So I'm going to remodel my whole self, um, and try to do as much as I possibly can there. Yeah. Uh, I, my understanding is that once you've had a kid, um, it puts a lot of pressure on you and that pressure forces you to become, a different kind of person, someone who can handle it, right? Because you're not someone who can, and this is, I think, something similar to what marriage does, right? It puts you under a circumstance where you weren't somebody who was ready for this or who could do it. And so if it's going to work, you have to become someone who will be able to do it. That's how Mm -hmm. I feel about my marriage anyway, is like the person I was when I got married is not someone who could be married or who was ready to be married or who could be a good husband. And my lack of awareness or lack of ability uh all my failings as a husband put pressure on our relationship and so the option was okay be a better person or let your marriage fall apart and so i became a better person right not a not a great person but i became a better person so i think there's something similar with parenthood where it's like you want to be a dad who is a good dad um and you're like who you are before you have a kid is not a good dad. And then you have a kid and you're like, I got to figure it out. I got to work on it. I've got to become better. Um, and so that's, that's how I see it. That may not be true, but because that's how I see it, I'm hoping to like kind of jumpstart some of those things. And so I think I'm already good at a couple of things, like being very like present with the people that I'm with. I think I'm good at that. Um, and you know, paying attention to, not just what people say literally, but also to like how they might feel or what they might be hiding. Like, I think I'm that a good, like contextual listener and I'm good at that, but I'm looking at all the other things I do wrong, you know, and I waste a lot of time and I make excuses for myself and I'm judgmental of other people from a single piece of information as opposed to looking at their life or their lives as a whole. And so I can like these behaviors about myself, whether they're social or spiritual or physical or in terms of time management. Um, I look at them and I'm like, if I'm this way, I'm afraid my son's going to copy it and I have to deal with it now because I'm not going to have energy to deal with it before he gets here. And so I know one of the other things is I don't want my son to learn from me that you should hate yourself or that you should put a ton of pressure on yourself to be perfect all the time. And the way that I'm behaving right now, <laughs> he totally would. So I know that's a problem, but, um, so it, it inst- sounds like, sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, no. Well, in, it, instead, instead of learning to, and let instead of taking that idea and saying, I need to let some of this go. Instead, I take it and add it to the list of things, which okay, basically yeah. becomes learn how to be perfect and learn how to relax. Yeah. Which <laughs> is so, so dumb. Not really compatible with each other. Well, no. okay. That's what I was going to say, because it sounds to me like you're selecting things or you're focusing on things out of a fear of like, this is, this is what he's going to get. 
right? You're looking at, yeah. the, you're, you're yeah. focusing more on the negative than what are, like you just listed all those good things, but those don't give you relief. Zero comfort. Right. Yeah, no exactly. Comfort. You know, and I, th- I think that's pretty normal, but it, it, yeah, it sounds to me like you're saying, well, all these things, you know, I don't want to pass these along to a child. I don't want to, or do them in the face of a child, or even, uh, this is how I was with some of my things was I, it'll, it's going to make my life harder if I am still this way when there is a child here. Yes. If I I continue some of these bad habits that maybe aren't that big of a deal right now, but probably I should do like a kid is going to bring that in even more similar to what you were talking about with marriage, right? There are marriage researchers who refer to it as a crucible, right? Because it's such an intense experience that it brings out any even deep-seated issues and problems, right? Those are going to become even more evident in that intensive environment. And I think having a kid is the exact same way. Like if you have something that you do when you're tired or lazy, you're going to be tired or feeling like you want to be lazy all the time now. Right. Yeah. And so there's no, there's no break from it. You don't get to stop doing that. Um, when you're a parent, you, you're always on. Right. And so, right. uh, it, It makes sense to me that we focus on those kind of things, I guess. Um, why do you have an idea about what well, I have an idea? I think maybe about why that is, but do you have an idea about why that is for you that you can know that, Hey, all of these things can't be fixed or all of these things don't need to happen right this second. Or there's other good things I think that I have to offer already, but the, but still, you know, what needs to get done comes to the forefront of your mind. Um, I, I do have an, I have an idea. I don't know if it's the right idea. You know, this is one of those areas where I think if I were talking about somebody else, I'd have a lot more clarity because I'm talking about me. Uh, mm-hmm. I I may be totally off. Um, if I'm trying to, to diagnose this illness in myself, I would say that if I let go of judging myself too harshly, I would have to let go of judging other people too harshly. And I'm probably not ready to do that um, because there goes my number one pastime. Uh so you should be laughing at that, by the way. That's it. <laughs> because I should be doing that. Uh, it's funny, no, but you're in taking that sad it seriously kind of because that's how I am, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, I was like, like yes, no, that, I've known this for years. It's not a joke in case you're wondering out yeah. there. Yeah, no. So uh, that, I, I honestly think that could be it. And it's it's such a knee-jerk reaction for me to judge other people and, and think that I can intuit their motivations based on their actions. Um, which you can't, right? But that that's a knee-jerk reaction for me, in part because I spend a lot of time beating myself up for my actions, assuming the worst motivations, even if those motivations are things I'm unaware of, mm-hmm. right? So it, to give you a specific example, I've been talking about all the ways that I worry about being a good dad and the things that I want to accomplish for my child, yes. right? Um and my concern about those things is that it's more about me being able to claim that I'm a good dad rather than being a good dad for my son, right? So I'm I'm questioning my motives there, and I and I honestly I can't tell you directly like I I don't know the answer I don't I don't know which it is, right? Because again, our motivations are not always clear to us, and so I have an anxiety that maybe I just want to be a good dad so I can pat myself on the back for being a good dad as another way of stroking my ego and not a way of actually being a good dad. And so that would be something else to deal with. So I add that to the list of things that I need to do, right? Become humble and, <laughs> you know, be a better person so that your motivations are clear, which it, I, I am, 
I'm creating messes that I can't clean up because the act of cleaning them up is also part of the mess, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, it does. Well, especially given the language that you're using, because it's pretty strong language. And I don't think that that's, I mean, again, I think a lot of us are very self-critical when we look at, when we consider becoming a dad. Uh, I think that's probably why the persistent cultural joke of like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for this kind of thing because it's so much responsibility and right you know we could talk we could have a whole different podcast about why do so many men in america why are they so fearful of the responsibility of their actions mattering to other people but uh yeah that, that makes total sense to me given like how strong that language you were using about how big of a problem you see these things uh to be so then i'm gonna ask a follow-up question from yeah. that that may be too personal or not, I don't know. No, but. we can cut it if it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, so given all of this, when you were talking with Jess about being ready to start your family and thinking about it for yourself, am I ready to start my family? Right. Is this, were you seeing it as I am not, like right now me, if nothing changes, this is a bad idea for me to start a family? Were you confident you could get to a place or were you like, no, right now, like I can... I can do this or it's something I want and it's going to be okay, but I just now want to do it to the best of my ability. I think those are two different things. It might be a third option. Those seem kind of like, the you know, you got to kind of be on one side or yeah. the other, but that might not. So just, I guess your head's, because to me, when I hear you say this, it's like, oh man, I've got this laundry list of things that I'm not it, good yeah, at. Yeah, it sounds like it was right. an accident, right? No, but we planned it. No, so. well, yeah, <laughs> but it's just like, man, like if that's how you're thinking about it most of the time. How does someone who feel that way come to where, no, I do want to have a kid? Um, maybe you just weren't yeah. thinking about it until she was pregnant. You're like, oh, wait, now it's real, and I haven't considered this. That could be, I guess, right. the and that's option. and that's And that's what it is right there, is that like the, when we started talking about do we want to start our family, right? And the answer for both of us was really a resounding yes. Like there's never a perfect time, and this is not a perfect time, but we still want to do it. Um, so the answer was yeah, yeah. and – and so that, and, and for a number of reasons, one, because I'd like, I had turned 30, right. And so like turning, turning 30 is way worse than turning 20. <laughs> turning 20 tur- like, right? T- turning 20, I was kissing my teens goodbye. And I was like, man, I'm not a teenager. Turning 30 was like, your failures are now personality flaws, not things you're going to work out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's so true <laughs> <laughs> yeah so <laughs> not for you i'm so, laughing because it's true for me and probably no everyone. it's yeah but it is <laughs> not, true oh Tur- man you are so flawed <laughs> no <laughs> yeah that's not you, what i meant you by can't that, just but. say i'll grow out of it like you've yeah. grown out of everything you're gonna grow out of <laughs> now you're into now you're into management um just manage <laughs> these failures so i turned 30 and i was like man i really i do really want to have kids and I want to have kids, like, with this woman. Like, this is somebody who I think, like, our children are going to be half good and half me. And that's great. Um, or it's as good as it can be if I'm involved. So I was ready on that front. But I I hadn't done the introspection in terms of, like, what kind of dad am I going to be? Like, that didn't occur to me. It was just like, oh, it's time and we should do this. Or it's going to be too late. Um, and we both want to do this. Um, like we want to be parents, like Mm -hmm. we both knew that. And I didn't start thinking specifically about what kind of dad I was going to be until it was actually like 
3.30 or 4 in the morning when Jess took a pregnancy test and told me, like, by the way, I'm pregnant. And I didn't believe her. I was like, no, you're not. Um, and, and she's <laughs> like, no, it's serious. So I, I, I had, like, I handled it the way that all Vickery men handle crisis. Um, not that my wife being pregnant is a crisis, but it was absolutely a crisis. Yeah, so it felt like one. Um, so I was like, okay, that's fine. We will, we will prepare and we will handle that. It's just like you take all emotions, you put them in a bag and you ship that bag as far away as possible. Mm-hmm. And then you become a being of cold logic. And you're like, I will handle this in the way that it <laughs> needs to be handled. And I will do the sufficient amount of work. And I went to sleep. I went back to sleep, which I don't know how I went back to sleep because I was completely freaked out. But I just was like, now is the time for sleeping because I have work to do tomorrow. And so I slept and then I got up and I went throughout the day with this kind of sense of what is this and what am I doing and new eyes. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, that the day after I found out Jess was pregnant is the day I started judging my life very harshly. And so that's, that's where that came. It was not a premeditated thing. It was solely after I felt like I'm bringing a human being into this world. I'm going to be a dad and I am woefully unprepared to do so. And that's also, by the way, um, when you and I got serious about talking about a podcast, um, that was also when, when that happened for me. Cause we talked about doing it for a long time right. and it was after I found out that Jess was pregnant that I was like, yeah, let's do it. Cause you, you actually brought it up and said, we should do a podcast. And I said, yes, let's do it. And this time I was actually willing to commit. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. It. That's, that's interesting to me because I'm listening to that. I'm kind of contrasting it with my own experience, which of course is going to be different. We're different people, but yeah. Um, how how was it different? By the way, I'm I'm curious. Yeah, I'm how not talking about different? I'm just I'm taking a moment too because it's hard because I've known you for so long. So for me, I'm hearing all this <laughs> stuff and I'm like, oh man, this like makes total and perfect sense. So I'm trying not to talk about it in a way that's you know, if if someone doesn't know you very well, then it's not as obvious. Um, or I guess I feel like I'm reading between the lines a little bit into uh, your emotional state and some things like that when you're <laughs> talking about that. But please stop reading into my emotional state. No, it no, makes no, me no. nervous. I mean, that makes total sense though because you don't. I mean, all of us, for most of us, some of us, are thinking about how we could be better people or we maybe are involved in some kind of introspection. I know that you are a person. You've described that, I think, in these answers, that you do think along those lines yeah. um, pretty often, not just it wasn't the first time it happened, but this. But, man, it becomes so much stronger when it just like the stakes are raised. That's what I'm hearing you say is that it's like, oh, the stakes are and now this happens, has to happen, and now, oh, my gosh, I have a deadline. And right. then you have, now that the deadline has happened, rather than triage and say, here are the things that are okay, these are the things that are most important, whether it's personally or in the house that I want to get done, it's like, well, we got to get it all done. Or it's yes. never going to happen. Yes. I find that interesting to say that you're <laughs> never going, and part of it is, you know, my son's two years old, so yeah, in the first two months of your child's life, you're not going to be working on the house. You're going to be too tired, Jess right. is going to be physically recovering, so there's going to be part of that where it's like, well, I can't really just go and do something else because I need to be letting you sleep right? or caring for you in some way or, you know, and, and they require a lot more attention, but eventually it gets to the point where you both acquire skills and a sense of normalcy in your new environment. You kind of just reset. Right. And then it's like, okay, now I can fit this into my other things into my life again. But you also, right. um, you know, eventually they change so fast that eventually it's like, okay, you, 
uh, you are sleeping. That's really what it is. If they, they sleep enough, <laughs> then you actually find the energy to at least do some things. Maybe jo- we're, not we're measuring things. your sleeping in hours and not like minutes. Right, exactly. Or you sleep through the night most of the time, and it's like, okay, well, I feel somewhat human, you know, some of the time. And so that's what that's what I'm hearing you say. I just want to make sure that I'm on the same page with you. Is that it's not that you no, never you're right. Consider these yeah. things. It's like, oh man, there's a deadline, and I can't I can't pick and choose some of these because I don't know if it's. You can't assign more importance to one or the other, or like it sounds a little bit like you know I've, I've judged these so harshly that you know they're all so bad that they have to be corrected. Um, plus, the that's house, that, yeah, that's that's accurate. The house yes. makes total sense just because you know you want it to be done. You got to look at it every single day. <laughs> Something right, that's unfinished, right. which is which is frustrating. So for us, um, you know, and we are two experiences in the vast sea of experience. So by no means do I think these are the only ones. But you know, for us, sure. we had talked about it wanting kids for a long time. That's something that we had known. There wasn't really a question for us. Um, we were both done with school or close to done with school when we got married. So there wasn't like this kind of natural let's wait, but there were financial, our financial situation was like, well, there is, there's just no way like we better pray. We don't have a miracle baby because there's, (laughs) how are we going to pay for this? Um, and it's not like we waited until we just had piles of money lying around, but it's at a place where, okay, you know what? We, feel like we're stable enough and then if there are other things that we need to sacrifice to make this work out then you good. can we're willing sure. to do that sure. but because of that financial situation i was kind of forced to think i forced i felt forced to think if this never changes which i didn't think that was the case but if it never changes will my life be fine if we don't have kids i had always thought of myself as someone who wanted kids i love kids just in general um i definitely wanted to have them with uh my wife that's something i thought was one of the more attractive things about her was just like, she comes from a great family and it's like, man, like all this, this is going to work out great if it happens. Um, but right. thinking, will I be happy if we don't do I like my life? And I'm kind of thankful that we waited longer than maybe some other people do to have them. Or at least, you know, if you run in conservative Christian circles, people have kids <laughs> pretty often, you know, we're not, <laughs> yeah, not Catholic, you know, speed maybe, but still pretty fast. You have kids pretty early on. And we didn't do that. And so I was kind of at the point where, you know what? I will be sad. It will be something that I will mourn. But I love my life with Michelle right now. I will be fine sure. with it if we don't have them. And so then once I was able to have that and I could kind of imagine that, then when the possibility came, I felt like I could really think about that and be like, well, do I actually want this? Or is that just something I had always imagined was an inevitability? And yeah, yeah. turns out we really did. So I think because it wasn't just like a, well, it's the time now. We better start doing it which is what it sounds like a little bit. Not not that you guys weren't happy about it or excited. I don't want it to make it sound like I think that no, no, there no, that's, no positives that's, there. That's a, lot, that's a lot what it was for me, though. Yeah. But, I mean, just she's been in law school. You're working on a PhD. Like, it's easy. That we don't have time, and if we're going to do it, we got to do it now, right? Right. Well, there there are there are times where you, like, there's never a perfect time, mm-hmm. but there are times that are so bad that it's a bad idea. <laughs> right, yeah. And... And we didn't wait for the perfect time. We got out of that range of time where it's so bad, it's not a good idea. Like when when Jess was in law school and when I was working on my PhD and uh, like a, a, a full-time teacher and part-time teacher and doing home renovation was not the right time. Because I will tell you something, working full-time teaching college at one school and working part-time teaching college at another school and working on my PhD, I was really busy and my wife worked way more than I did getting through law school. Like she did this tremendous, incredible amount of work. And so really like for it, for us at that point, trying to decide like, do we want to have a kid 
was really answering, was asking the question, which part of your life do you want to completely give up? Mm -hmm. Do you want to quit law school? Do you want to quit working on a PhD? Do you want to move into an apartment and sell your house? Right. That for, if we'd had a kid at that point, that was the question. And so as soon as we got out of something that was like such dire straits like that, like time-wise, then we said, we want to have a kid. And and like you guys, we always knew like, this is something that we want to do. We always wanted to be parents. We always, mm-hmm. and we talked about this before we got married. There's an assumed we're going to have kids. And we talked specifically about it. We do want to have kids. Okay. You want to have kids? Good. How many? That was where we differed. She was three. I was two because I come from a family with two children. She comes from a family with three children. So we each thought that the way we were raised was ideal. So we talked about that, right? Um, so so we went back and forth on these things and we talked about it, but it was never a question of whether or not we want to have kids. It was just like when. And then we finally got... So I, I, you're right that for me, it was very much a point of, okay, the timing is at least not as terrible as it was. You know, it's not like I, it was almost assumed, I guess, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and, it was and very you had already assumed. known that you wanted to. So you, it sure. wasn't that, oh, I guess we'll have it now. It's like, okay, yeah, here, let's strike while the iron's hot kind of a thing. So, right. you know, for us, it was very much, I think both of us kind of wrestled with this idea of, do we even want? Because then once we allowed ourselves to think about that, it was, well, we do kind of like some stuff that we're able to do and how our life is now. And so do yeah. we even want to change that? And And we ultimately decided on yes. And so I think because of that, it allowed me a little more clarity than maybe I have normally in my life to say, (laughs) I think that I am going to be pretty good at this. It may just be my natural personality. Again, I've worked with children for a living too. So I was like, man, you know, Uh, yeah, that helps. I know kids like me, (laughs) you know, so Hey, at least we'll get along type thing. So that I think that played a part in it as well uh, for us. But, as far as the, I think, because I think everyone eventually gets to, okay, what needs to change and what needs to get ready? I, you know, for me, what, it, it, yeah, it was that idea of th- this is going to make things easier. And I will, uh, the biggest thing for me was to be ready for whatever was going to happen. So maybe not something specific. Part of this is my aversion to planning just in general, right? Um, <laughs> you're the opposite yeah. where it's like I planned and here's everything that needs to be planned. Mine is like, well, you know, if I, <laughs> You know, good thing I'm adaptable because I don't like to plan or think about it ahead of time. So you kind of have to have that if you're not going to if you're right, not gonna plan. And right. So for me, it was can I get to a place where I'm going to allow myself to be able to put my best effort into just taking whatever is thrown at me. And for me, that meant getting um, a little bit more intentional, you know, taking things a little bit more seriously, maybe doing things a little bit on purpose like thinking right. about what was going to happen that day a little bit more. Um, right. I didn't succeed at that very well when he was first born, but yeah, it hmm. wasn't at least what I'm hearing you described. It wasn't so much of a um, nerve wracking. Not that there wasn't soul searching or anything like that, but man, it was just like, I think that I'm, this is going to be all right. I, I think a lot of that as I listen to myself, talk about it and I hear yours again, I think a lot about it is, kind of what's going on in your life around it. And so we were in like a period of relative calm and you kind of are because Jess is done with school, but there's still a lot of change going on and you're yeah, still in, yeah. in, in school. So I think that listening to you talk about it, man, I think that that's part of it is that just, it, it, it probably, you know, it's not going to be forever likely unless you just keep going to school for the rest of your life and find something else to do <laughs> after that kind of thing. But it's, it's a, 
it's, it's a little bit easier, I think, to not sweat some of that stuff when you're not also like up against deadlines that aren't going to change regardless of the kid coming. Right. That, 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 right. That's what I hear. And I, and I say that by way of encouragement to say, you know, it, it feels like this stuff has to get done, but I, I, I wonder if that's other parts of your life than bleeding into that because the, the real truth of it is, and this is something, this is one of the biggest shocks to me because I definitely was like, well, what kind of man do I want him to be? And all the stuff we talk about on the podcast, like I, I want to convey that to him. And then he comes yeah. and it's like, he still doesn't get any of that. And we're almost two years in. Like, I, obviously there's behavior that's modeled and discipline methods matter, but when he's just a crying lump that cares only about, you know, breastfeeding. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, well, I I still have more time than I thought I did to figure out what it means to be a good man <laughs> and how to teach right. that to another human being. So right. I don't think that those deadlines are as uh, real as they appear to be. I, you're, you're 100% right that... It's not like he's going to be born and then on day two of his, like, out-of-the-womb life is going to look at me and be like, Father, tell me the secrets of manhood. Like, that's that's yeah. not that's not what's going to happen. And so, in the same way that getting married put pressure on me as a person to become a better person, having a kid will put pressure on me to become a different kind of person again, and hopefully a much better person, and... By the time I have to answer questions about masculinity, I'll be more prepared to. I don't have to have all that done by May first, right? It's mm-hmm. it's not on the, it's not on the baby syllabus <laughs> that you have to have it done by May first. Yeah. So I'm, well, see, I'm again, aware that's of a all part that. of your life. Like you're so used to having to convey information to people that need it right then, and you've got to have it kind of sort of planned out, right? At least. Yeah. So yeah. So so that's it. It is kind of relieving. Uh, it, it's relaxing to hear. It's a relief to hear that. And and if you'd asked me if that were the case, I would have said yes. Like, and, and there's a difference between being aware of something on like an academic level or, or a conscious level and then also accepting it, right? Oh, Awareness absolutely. and acceptance are different things. Absolutely. And so hearing hearing you talk about like, I was worried I wasn't prepared and then I wasn't prepared and then I realized I still had time to work on it. Like... Hearing you talk about that experience is something that gets me a lot closer to acceptance than I was. So that's mm-hmm. that's really good for me to to hear is is you talking about going through that same kind of thing. Yeah, I also think this is the man and and we've talked about this as one of the goals of the podcast. Listening to you talk about you know, I, I, I weigh myself and I feel that I am found wanting is something that every human being who's ever lived has experienced at some point, right? And so yeah. But we yeah. don't talk about it. And, man, especially as men, we don't talk about that. And, and, you know, again, there's the joke aspect of, oh, we're not ready for fatherhood and having to grow up. But, like, it, it, it's so much of a joke or a meme that, like, then you don't kind of get on to that next level. And it's like, yeah, well, what are you specifically worried about when right. it comes to being a dad? Right. What are you worried that you know you're going to mess up? Like, because that's the other thing, too. There's stuff that I knew. I'm like, I know this is going to happen. I know I'm going to be in this situation. I know this is the way I'm going to mess up. And even knowing it was coming and trying to avoid it, I still couldn't do it. And still to this day, right? There are things that I do that I'm like, er, okay, again, I now have done that. Um, right. That, that, that I shouldn't have done. And so listening to you talk about it and saying, man, I had all these things that I want to fix and want to do better at. 
even though I'm a little bit farther along in the fatherhood journey, it, it like almost retroactively though still makes me feel better about, okay, so I'm not the only one that is like trying to figure it out. Like, man, I've really got this stuff to work on and I'm not going to be able to fix it. But also just the idea that I'm also not the only person that is that critical because not all the time, yeah. but I, but I, but I, cause I don't think I tend towards it as naturally as well. I say that I do. I bury it, bury it deep down and ignore it forever until then it comes out. And then <laughs> I'm really, then I'm way over critical. Like <laughs> sure. That and like that, in, like not just like you're bad at this, but like it is inexcusable that you're bad at this and you're, you have probably very little worth as a human being because nobody has this problem, but you like, why is this so hard? You know, that kind of, which is irrational, <laughs> right. but if you have buried it down that long, you know, it explodes out of yeah. that way. And so I listen to that and I think, no, other people have things that they are working on and they find difficult to improve about themselves or to change, or they have personality traits right. that cause them, you know, anxiety or whatever. So I, it's, you know, for anyone listening, that is, you know, I guess if your children are grown and out of the house, it's probably not t- still too late, but I'm going to cross that bridge when I come to it, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, that just that, I, that idea that you're not the only one, um, Right. It feels like right. that because I identify with so much of what you say, even though I don't think I experienced it in the exact same way. But well, yeah, the, the experience mm-hmm. itself is going to be different. It's going to vary. And I think that this is one of those things that you can look at it in, in one of two ways as we're talking about it. One, mm-hmm. you can say our audience is incredibly narrow. We're talking to anxiety riddled Protestant guilt ethic new fathers, right? <laughs> Which as far as, far as a... As, as far as like an audience is very narrow, right? That's a really narrow audience. Mm-hmm. Or you can take the tack of we're talking to people who feel like they should be doing more. And when they do more, instead of giving themselves like a pat on the back for like, hey, you're making a conscious effort to improve the kind of person you are. Instead say, hey, you should have done even more than this and you're a failure. And that you've got so much work left to do means you're an extra big failure. Right. And I think that's everybody who's ever tried to work on anything. Right. You know, you go on a new diet and you lose two pounds and you look at it and you go, wow, two of 40. What a, a miserable fat lard you are, you know, or well, you know, some people look at that and say, wow, two of 40. Like I'm already, you know, part of the way there. I'm 5% of the way there. That is. Okay. Well, right? those yeah, people are not me and have never been <laughs> right. me. I have, no, I have no, I have no way to talk to those people because those are the people that are just like, I'm here and I'm happy and I don't get that. Um, it's just, it's just beyond me. So, but I, I do think that there's, there's a large group of people who, whenever they set a goal for themselves, even progress towards that goal serves as a sign of their utter failure before they begin working. Mm. Um, Oh, and and there's anxiety that you get, um, not that you get. It's, it's, you don't receive it. There's anxiety that you pursue, that I think for people like me justifies your failures. It's like if you can if you can feel anxious enough or feel bad enough about something, then it's okay that you haven't done it because you're really suffering for not having done it by judging yourself. But I don't I don't think that's healthy at all. I just think I think that's a way that some people like me operate, but I don't think that's a healthy thing. And to hear that other people, like, I, I would say you fall more into that category of I've lost two pounds, hooray, I'm a champion, you know, in the making. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> a little, to, a little bit, but that that would probably be just it, you know, in comparison to the time I spent before where I wasn't doing anything. It's like, oh man, it right. feels so great to actually put effort into things. Right? Why doesn't right. everyone do this all the time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so to like, there, there's that other category of of people who are, I don't want to say better. It's th- their approach is different, right? It's it's a different approach to to progress, but it doesn't matter what kind of person you are that when you're staring down the barrel of something major, whether that's becoming a parent or something else, you know, then you're always going to find yourself wanting in some way. And it's okay to just kind of accept that and then say, you know what, I'm going to keep working and I'm never going to arrive and that's okay. I'm just going to keep working. And that's that's kind of where I'm, I'm not there, but I'm hoping to be there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and what you're describing is focusing on, process over immediate results not that results yes, aren't desirable yes. or that you don't want them but you have to have a good process yes that you can fall back on i feel like a lot of us don't have a good process because well for a lot of reasons that's probably as many different reasons as there are different people um we don't have a good process for it but i think for men especially in fatherhood not that there's not sources out there for how to do that but we don't talk about it very much because I, I, to me, when I observe just our society, it's a combination of not a lot is expected of us very often. Right. And so to put yourself in an insulting way. Yeah. Well, it's insulting. It's, it's, it might, it might be earned a little bit too. It might be kind of put on there because it's the extreme end of some sort of joke or just idea, but it's this idea, you know, we, there, there's not much expected, and so if we put it out there and start pursuing a higher expectation, then it's either why are you rocking the boat or what's wrong with you or you're, you're kind of sticking sure, out in a way. Sure, But But there's also, I think, that male pride and that desire to not show a weakness. And so to go and ask someone who knows more, maybe, or just share their experience might be a weakness. And it may be kind of a chicken or an egg thing. Are there no like men's groups because men's won't, won't join them or are there no men's groups because nobody thinks they need them. And so they don't make them available or stuff like that. Right. But there are a lot of mom type groups and a lot of them for single moms, but also other things. Moms face a very different set of cultural expectations when, you know, if no one's expecting anything of men, people are then expecting absolutely everything of moms. And it's right. You know, none of us talk to each other about any of this stuff as men. And we all just go bumbling around in the dark, you know, secretly harboring the same anxieties and fears and doubts and, you know, never seeking support with each other for them. And moms are all, you know, man, this is really hard. And I feel like I'm bad at it. I'm not perfect. And, you know, in that then still really judging other people (laughs) when when they don't mom the same way. Right. It's damning in two different ways, right? To be expected for someone to expect nothing of you is very damning. And for someone to expect everything from you is very damning. And, and it's almost, you know, it makes a ton of sense that it's like you need to find places of uh, um, identification with people who are going through something similar for to say like this is enough. Like you you have done what is expected and it's enough. You don't have to be perfect. Yeah. And then at the same time to find I I I would assume for women to say you know this is enough you have done too much and you're not working on yourself at all or like doing anything. And, and, you know, you don't have to be perfect, but differently, you know, or, or for minutes, you don't have to be an utter abject failure a lot of the time, or you're not inevitably those things. So what you, what you do matters, you know, or, or yeah, you, you're not, you're not going to necessarily or inevitably be Phil Dunphy, right. Um, who I, I am, 
perpetually sickened by. Um, <laughs> I really hate Phil Dunphy, even though I think his character's hilarious, and I'm sure the actor's a wonderful person. Um, I'm not sure of that, but, you know. Seems I'm, like it, it might be the case, right? It, it, we've got halfway decent odds. Yeah. So, no, I mean, um, it, it, it is something that's so... I just think about Michelle. I know she's had multiple conversations with her mom where her mom will say, you know, she'll say, I feel really bad about this. And her mom will say, please, like I've done that exact same thing and or worse or what I, she feels like is worse. And right. Michelle's mom is a great <laughs> mom and she respects her a great deal. So when she hears her say instead of it, it just means more, I guess, a little bit when there's that specific, you know, shortcoming maybe tied to it. I think that for me, it's for my peers when I hear them think man yeah you know I'm just working on it and I'm going through it too I'm I feel encouraged that okay good I'm not the only one because I, I think men just we tend to live in isolation a little bit more yeah by and choice so, but yes. yeah by for, yeah for a lot of different reasons by choice too and so to that that little bit of not being isolated in that is okay so I'm, I'm not losing this context or I'm not in this wrong you know I'm not in the bad category or I'm not farther down the, the hierarchy or however I'm choosing to compare myself to others or something like that it's just knowing that you are not the only one with that is is very powerful I have so to kind of switch into another thing now that we've talked about this for a while then you're for speaking of goals and lists and things mm-hmm. that, were, you, you, we, that you were wanting to do for speaking of goals and lists and things that you want to accomplish before your son arrives in, you know, we're still technically in January, so you can have a new year's resolution and it not be late, I guess. What would you say your main kind of like, this is what I'm doing going forward to be ready or to try to be ready. Sure. As I can. Sure. Well, there's a number of things that I want to do because they are things that will distract me from other things I want to do, if that makes sense. So things about the house or things about my dissertation, that stuff falls into the category of things that I want to do so I can focus on other stuff. The, and, and so almost that stuff doesn't count, basically. The thing that I want to do that I think will make me a better dad like if that's if that's what we're we're talking about um i want everything that i say to be true especially about myself and and i don't i i don't mean that like you know i can only speak truth in the sense that i'm always right that's not what i mean i i think what i mean is when i say like oh i'm thinking of you or i am uh, oh i'm working on that that I either am thinking of that person or I am working on that. Cause I think oftentimes we use white lies to cover over our own disinterest in things. I I'm, I'm afraid I'm really revealing a lot about myself here. Um, but my goal is to be a, the kind of person who everything that comes out of my mouth is 100% true, not 80%, not 70% or 50%, but 100% true. To where if I say I'm thinking of you, it's because I'm thinking of that person. And if I'm not thinking of that person, then I will think of something else to say. Because there's a kind of genuineness or honesty or truth that I think becomes kind of a default mode of of operating. Um, And that's something that I want my son to have. I I can give you an example of this, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it all sounds very, in my mind it's very specific, but it sounds very vague. Um. I took if if you have you ever read Amelia Bedelia those books? Yes. 
right? Like, yes. So someone says, let's hit the road, and Amelia Bedelia goes and gets a stick and begins smacking the road with the stick, right? And the children laugh because Amelia Bedelia is an idiot who doesn't understand idiom. And you go, oh, Amelia Bedelia, you stupid person, right? Um, so <laughs> I was Amelia Bedelia as a child. Um, I, I remember the first time that I recognized that someone was homeless. There was a relatively overweight man wearing a nice winter coat standing on the side of a, uh, a street with a sign. This was after I learned to read. So it's embarrassingly old. Uh, it's a sign that said, like, we'll work for food or, like, please give money or something. I don't know. Some, some sort of sign indicating that he needed something. And then my family stopped at this red light where this man was, and then we drove to a Chili's. And... I sat at that Chili's looking at my food and for the first time being aware I have food and people are hungry. Mm -hmm. And the lessons that I have learned from church and from my parents are that if someone's hungry and you have something, then you give it to them. And like no nuance, no complication, just incredibly literal, this very literal interpretation of all of the Christian ethic, you know, it was super literal. And in many ways, my life has been the story of me kind of growing past that. And like, there's some nuance and some underst- and like some grace. And also you, you can't be responsible for everyone. All sure. All true. But in other ways, especially since I found out I'm going to have a son that my life has been trying to get back to that point where there's a kind of naive honesty in all of my actions because I think that that is a good and valuable and moral way to live. And so I'm, I'm hoping to be able to arrive at that with the knowledge at the same time that I won't, I won't. Right. And so I know, I know my goal is impossible, right? You cannot return to naivety from experience. You can't do it, but you can approximate it with something like honesty. And that's how I would describe honesty as an approximation of naivety. I, that's a very long explanation for me to say that what I'm hoping to do is to be accurate and specific with my speech so that my son does not look at me and say, wow, you hypocrite. Sure. Well, I think there's more to it than that because I think the way that you just described viewing the world and the way you consider your speech, it mu- your actions have to reflect that. You know, yes. you can't speak that way if I'm not acting in a certain way because then I don't yes. have anything to say. You know, or I've got to say something of no value or or lie. And you lying you want off the table, saying something of no value is not good. So, I mean, that that is a world that that is what I would call a process. Right. And it, it, yes, it is it a is. yeah. You know, I mean, that's a continual goal that there's no real end point to that because you're never going to be perfect. But I in to me anyways, in kind of a freeing way, because, you know, if your end point is like to use your metaphor from earlier, you know, I must lose 20 pounds. Well, if you lose 19 and you don't <laughs> get to the 20, you failed. Even though 19 is still good, it's, it's better a, it's than zero. It's a heck of a lot better than zero. Yeah, yeah, you failed. Or if I if I lose 20, but then in a year I gain five again, like I, you know, right. my goal was an endpoint, not a, my goal is to behave this way and the health that will arise from that is okay. And yes, that's something that I have found value in when I can do that is having something like what you just said, 
which is like, this is what, this is how I will live my life. It both applies to multiple situations, right? I don't have to think about each and every single situation that's happening right there. So back to what you said at the very beginning, I do things one through, you know, five or 10 or 500 or whatever it is wrong. I got to fix each and every single one of those. If what we're focusing on is this is the way to be, this is the person I want to be. Then when you're in a situation for thing 42 or thing three or whatever, right? You will act in a way it will become apparent to you if this is what is yes. your guiding yeah. principle. Um, yeah. also, and again, I think that's less burden and pressure on us as a person because it's just, you know, let's, you don't make a sweeping change like you just said in a day. Whereas sometimes when we trivialize our inadequacies, it feels like we ought to be able uh, to fix it right, right. then. Like I was wake up and before, fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was saying before, like you were the only one that has this problem. Like, oh my gosh, how can you call yourself an right. adult or a right. man or a human being if you're doing this still, right? Um, it's, it's a complete shift in perspective. I think that's pretty, I think it's pretty profound. I think that's a good goal. I think that's a good goal to have to be able to, you know, I want to live in such a way that I can tell my son the way it is, the way I think, and not be ashamed and not have to couch it in qualifications or excuses or something like that. In the episode after this one, you'll get to hear from Grant's wife, Michelle, as they talk about their marriage and their lives as parents. It's going to be a good one, so make sure to tune in. Grant and I are also excited to hear from you, and we welcome your feedback, positive, negative, and everything in between. You can reach us by email at tdngcast at gmail.com or on Twitter. Our handle is at tdngcast. And one more thing. If you'd like to record yourself and your significant other discussing how you two can maintain and improve your relationship while also being parents, employees, or any of the other complicated hats you have to wear, we'd love to feature that conversation on a future episode. Send that recording to our email. Again, that's tdngcast at gmail.com. And if you need help setting up the recording, shoot us an email about that too. We'd be happy to help. This has been Two Dads Named Grant, a podcast by two dads who still have a lot to work on. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.